Let's stand for the reading of the Word of God and turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter four, uh, 15. Romans chapter 15, verse 14. <clears throat> Romans 15, 14. We have Bibles if anyone needs them. Uh, you have them on your phones. I'm not sure why we do this anymore. Anyway, <laughs> but that's just me. They're doing everything technology. Look at that. Somebody took a Bible. Praise the Lord. <laughs> just when I say that. Romans chapter 15, verse 14. Written, of course, by the Apostle Paul, Romans 15, 14. Now, I myself am confident concerning you, my brethren, that you also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able to admonish one another. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written more boldly to you on some points as reminding you because of the grace given to me by, by God, that I might be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God. And the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I have reason to glory in Jesus Christ in the things which pertain to God. For I will not dare speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me in word and in deed to make the Gentiles obedient. In mighty signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about to Elicrum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. And so I've made it my aim to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build on another man's foundation. But as it is written, to whom he has not announced, they shall see, and those who have not heard shall understand. Verse 22, for this reason... I also have, much, have been much hindered from coming to you, but now no longer having a place in these parts and having a great desire these many years to come to you. Whenever I journey to Spain, I shall come to you, for I hope to see you on my journey and to, and to be helped on my way there by you if first I may enjoy your company for a while. But now I'm going to Jerusalem to minister to the saints. For it pleased those from Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor among the saints who are in Jerusalem. <clears throat> it pleased them indeed, and they are, our, and, they are our, and they are their debtors, for if the Gentiles have been partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister to them in material things. Therefore, when I have performed this and I have sealed to them this fruit, I shall go by way of you to Spain." For I know that when I come to you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. Now I beg you, brethren, there uh, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit that you strive together with me in prayers to God for me, that I may be delivered from those in Judea who do not believe and my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, and that I may come to you with joy by the will of God and may be refreshed together with you. Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. And so, Father, we are really grateful for your word today. We're grateful that we can be together. We ask you, Lord, to speak to our hearts, to speak to our minds, to open our hearts to what you have to say, and cause us to hear your voice today, Lord. May we walk out of this place with one or two things that would just touch our hearts and Cause us to be able to go forward in our walk with you in a greater way. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can have a seat. 
So I have been traveling. It's been wonderful. We went to Geneva, Switzerland. We were there for five weeks, and um, we got to meet with a small church there and encourage them in the, in the, in the scriptures and in the Lord, and, and we're, gonna, we're looking to help find a pastor for them, working with Poyman Ministries, which Poyman, just to remind you, is a, is a uh, ministry to pastors and churches. And so the Lord has, has allowed me to be a part of that, and, and I'm really blessed by it. It's a tremendous ministry, and we're getting more and more demand and call every day. In fact, uh, we're here for two weeks, my wife and I, and then we leave for um, Newburgh, and we'll be in Newburgh for six weeks, uh, filling in for a pastor on a sabbatical. So uh, this is kind of where the Lord has me these days, and, and I just want you to know that what I'm doing is an extension of you guys. It's still a ministry of Cornerstone. We're still, I'm still connected, and I'm like a, a traveling missionary for Cornerstone Church. And, um, and so uh, I would ask you to just continue to keep me in prayer, keep us in prayer as we do that. As we get into our scriptures today, um, we see, you know, this, this is a, an incredible section of scripture that Paul gives. He, he has recently in Romans, in the sections just prior to this, he's been exhorting the Romans toward unity in the body of Christ, to not be nitpicking on things, to not be worried about little uh, unessential things, but stick to the essentials. And, and Paul has turned this connection that he has, this unity that he has, and he, he gives an explanation of ministry here and of really uh, of what it is to have a, a, a Christian life that is, is impactful. And so the title to my message today is Keys to an Impactful Christian Life. And, and, and who in this room, if you're here and, and you're a Christian, you want to have an impact, right? You want to have an impact for the Lord. That's, that's something that God, you know, puts on your heart and you just know, I want to I wanna influence some people. I want to affect some people for Jesus Christ. And so uh, there are six keys within this uh, section of, of having an impact for Christ, or you could call it also six keys to effective ministry, um, you know, Jesus said he didn't come to be served, but to serve. And so we are to be like Jesus, so we're to serve. That's what we're called to do, is to serve one another, to serve the body of Christ, to serve this world. And uh, he begins with this explanation of ministry and this explanation of sort of impactful life. He begins it in verse 14 with talking about them and saying how wonderful it is that they are doing well in the body of Christ. Notice that. He says, I am confident concerning you, my brethren, that you are full of goodness, filled with knowledge, and, and that you admonish one another. He's saying, hey, I'm really glad that you guys are doing well. <clears throat> and I'm really blessed to hear that. And I can honestly say that from me to you as the pastor from this church. And it may, if you don't know me, that's what I was, the senior pastor for 26 years here. And I am confident concerning you. And I am blessed to hear what God's doing here. And so I can relate to Paul in that way, to, to just find the good in what people are doing in the Lord. And that's uh, such a blessing. He's been exhorting them strongly all through this, this section. And now he's saying, hey, <laughs> brothers and sisters, I'm really confident. I'm so blessed. Uh, and he says he'd written much more boldly on some points. He's bold because of the grace of God that was given to him, and he's, he's excited to share with them and to, 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 to tell them some final words. He's going to, one more chapter in Romans after this, but he's giving them some final words that are just going to be really powerful. And so first point that I have here, 
on the key to an impactful Christian life is it is all about grace. It is all about grace. You know, guys, we, we have been extended grace. Anything you are, anything I am, anything we have in the Lord is by the grace of God. In fact, Paul himself says, I am the least of the apostles. I am not worthy to be called an apostle, chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. But by the grace of God, I am who I am. And I think we can all say amen to that, right? That, that by the grace of God, it's, and it says, grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which is in me. You know, when we work for the Lord, why do we work for the Lord? We don't work for the Lord to get salvation. We know we can't get salvation by working for the Lord. We can't gain salvation. We don't get brownie points with God by being good or serving God the way we think we, you know, we do something for God and oh, now I'm, no. We do it because of the grace of God. We do it as a response to what God has done, right? Grace is God's unmerited favor. And I don't deserve what I've gotten, but I'm going to give back because I've gotten it. I'm just excited to do that, right? And so we need the grace of God. It's the very center of all that we are as a people, as a church, in ministry, in serving, and in a Christian life. It really is all it's at, where it's at. And we need grace, don't we? We need grace for, we need lots of grace. I don't, do you need grace today? Did you come to church to get some grace? Because <laughs> we do, we need it. We need grace for that children's ministry. You go back there, you're going to need grace. If you, get, if you decide to serve in that children's ministry, you better get filled up with grace. Because you're going to find messes back there. You know, the, you know, the thing is, we, there's messes all around the church. I don't know if you know this, but we're called sheep, right? And what's in the sheep pen? You got to clean that stuff out, you know. We need the grace of God. Grace of God for addicts. We need the grace of God for every ministry. We need the grace of God that motivates us and separates us from just being some social organization. Do you realize that it's the grace of God that sets Christianity, true Christianity, totally apart from everything else. Every other religion, really there's only two religions in the world. There's the religions of works, the religion of works, all the various ways that people try to work their way to God, and there is the religion of grace through faith. And it really is the only one. Grace also is what motivates us. In, in Titus chapter 2, he says that it motivates us to deny ungodliness and, and, and worldly lusts and to look forward to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what relates to grace so much? And what it really means? Your sins are forgiven. You and I are forgiven of our sins. And that is wonderful, isn't it? I mean, I was reading a little story about a little boy. He's visiting his grandparents and was given a, his, his first slingshot. This wouldn't be today. They wouldn't give slingshots out anymore. Too much insurance problems. But uh, he practiced in the woods, and, and, and he could never hit his target. He was really bad at it. But he thought, you know what, I'm just going to keep practicing. But he came about, uh, onto Grandma's backyard, and he spied out her pet duck. And he thought, man, I, I probably won't hit it. But on an impulse, he took it, and he let it fly. Bang. Hits the duck and kills the duck. Poor kid. Poor duck. And, and the stone hits the duck. The duck's dead. The boy panics. And so he, he hides the dead duck in a woodpile. 
only to look up and see his older sister watching him. Oh, he's in trouble now. His sister, Sally, she had, she had seen it all. And, and after lunch that day, Grandma said, Sally, let's wash the dishes. But Sally, she said, Johnny told me he wanted to help do the kitchen today. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't want to do it, of course. But she turned to him and said, didn't you, Johnny? And then she whispered, remember the duck. <laughs> so he did the dishes. Later, Grandma asked the children if they wanted to go fishing. And, and Grandma said, I'm, uh, 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 I'm sorry, but I need Sally to help. Or Grandpa asked to go fishing. And, and Grandpa said, Grandma said, I need Sally to help and asked the children uh, to help him make supper, excuse me. And Sally replied, oh, Johnny wants to help make supper. It's okay. And then she whispered, remember the duck. And so Johnny, he's in bondage here, isn't he? I mean, he is really in trouble. So he, he, he let Sally go fishing. A couple of days went by, and Johnny's doing his chores, and Sally, she's standing by, and she's letting him do her chores. And finally, he couldn't take anymore. He went to Grandma, and he confessed, and he said, he killed the duck. She said, I know, Johnny. I saw you kill the duck. I was standing in the window and saw the whole thing. And because I love you, I forgive you. I wonder how long you would let Sally make a slave of you, she said. And, 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 you know, sometimes we fall into this habit and this thing with sin in our life where we let it make us our slave instead of confessing and receiving the grace of God. Do you know, he sees us. He's like grandma. He sees everything we do. And no matter what dead duck you've done, <laughs> he's got you. He knows. And not only is it that we've been forgiven in grace, but we knew to extend grace to others. It's, it's a willingness to let things go in people's lives. It's a willingness to forgive someone even when they've hurt you. You know, your willingness to forgive is, is really a great asset. It's, it's one of the greatest assets we have in the Christian life because unforgiveness puts bitterness makes discord, it breeds division in relationships. And in this ultimate relationship in your life, your relationship with God, it will keep you from God if you do not seek forgiveness. And if you don't give forgiveness to others, it will hinder your walk with God. Jesus told us that. Understand something. In this world, two things are true. You will get hurt by other people. And you will hurt other people. So forgive people and apologize to people. It's, it's just part of who we need to be in the grace of God. Jesus said that offenses would come in relationships. And the only thing we can do is simply choose to respond to how people hurt us. We have a choice of whether we're going to hold on, we're going to stay bitter, we're going to get angry, we're going to keep it in, or we're going to forgive. Now, by the way, let me clarify one thing. Forgiveness is not the same as reconciliation. When I say you need to forgive someone, almost every one of us, probably every one of us, has someone come into their mind right now. There's a name. There's a face. And you're thinking, you don't know what they did to me. Yeah, I don't know what they did. But I got that name in my face or names in my eyes, too, and that, that, that face in my eyes. I'm, I've got those people. 
But God showed me something a number of years ago about forgiveness, that I can forgive them without necessarily reconciling with them. And it doesn't mean I wouldn't attempt to reconcile to some degree, but reconciliation is different than forgiveness. I choose to forgive. Reconciliation takes two people, and sometimes the other person isn't willing or can't reconcile or isn't willing to face the truth, and so you're kind of caught with that. And so you don't, you don't have to correlate the two all the time. Forgiveness is you forgiving them before the Lord, and it's freeing you. In fact, interesting, forgiveness doesn't change the past, but it enlarges the future, one man said. And to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you. You see, forgiveness requires recon- uh, uh, supernatural power. It, it's something that, that we, we don't do very easily and naturally. We need God's grace to forgive. That's why it correlates with grace so much. You can't forgive without God's help. Forgiveness requires repetition. You most likely have to forgive multiple times. You remember what Jesus said? Peter came, how many times should I forgive my brethren? And Peter thought, I'm, I'm going to really show. This is spiritual. Guys, watch me be spiritual right now. He was announcing it, right? And he said, up to seven times? Because normally three times was like, wow, you've gone out of the way. Now seven times? Jesus looked at him, what did he say? Up to 70 times seven, which is 490, right, if you know your math. And, of course, you get to 480, and you start counting. 481, 482, you got eight more, and you're done. And no, he doesn't mean that. He means 490 means you're going to lose count. Just keep forgiving. And it takes his power, and it takes obedience sometimes I counsel with people. I try not to anymore, but sometimes they still come to me. And I'll say, they'll be talking about forgiveness, and they'll say, I can't forgive. No, it's an act of obedience. You see, you really don't have an option. The reason you don't have an option is because God forgave you. Mike's going to teach on a passive next week that I wanted to steal. I'm going to just put a little seed of it in. It's be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Ephesians 4.32. You see, you've been forgiven. So what right? You hold on to forgiveness. You hold on to bitterness. And you're just hurting yourself and your relationship with God. The other person might not even know you're doing it. And they're walking along, they're free, they're doing great, and you're in bondage. Learn to forgive and you'll free yourself to live. Learn to apologize and you'll save relationships. Fail to do it and you'll struggle with every relationship in your life. We do this by the grace of God, amen? So the second one, we better move, we're going to be here a long time if I go this slow. The second one here in the, these essentials, these keys to an impactful Christian life for an effective ministry is it's centered on the gospel of God. Notice verse 16, 19, and 20. Paul says it three times here. He says, that I might be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God. 
And then he says in mighty signs and wonders in verse 19, in the power of the Spirit, that in Jerusalem and around about Elycrim, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. And, and in verse 20, he said, I've made it my aim to preach the gospel, not where Christ was, was named, lest I should build another man's foundation. Three times, Paul says, the gospel, the gospel, the gospel. This is why we are here on earth. And if you want to have an impactful Christian life, preach the gospel. You say, wait a minute, Pastor Chris. Huh? I'm a really quiet person. Oh, me too. No, just kidding. <laughs> I'm, not that, I'm not that one who's going to talk to everybody about the gospel. You know, I was talking to a young lady yesterday, and she was, she was saying how she hasn't, she doesn't know if she can really share the gospel with her friends. She's got a lot of unbeliever friends, and she, she tries to be a witness. And, and she was really kind of down about it. I said, well, you just need to be yourself and just let God use you and let your light so shine before men. And she said, oh, yeah. And then she told me a story of a girl that she had shared with just a little bit, just a little seed. She had told her that she was praying for her. And then the lady came to her and said, well, you're praying for me. You know, can I, can I learn a, more, a little more about that? And then she gave her some Bible verses. She started reading the Bible verses. And then she sends her devotions now all the time. She's doing that. And she's telling me this. And I said, you're sharing the gospel? Because you don't stand up and preach or you don't preach to a person openly publicly like that, but you're, li you're a little seed, you're dropping seeds, you're sharing the gospel, praise the Lord. Just because I do it in a boisterous way, you know, sometimes I do it in a boisterous way, and I'll offend that person who you can do it in these little seeds. There's all different ways to share the gospel. And I'm the guy, every person that gets around me, everybody I see, I tell them they need Jesus. And on this trip, I, <laughs> I, was, I was at Calvin's Shrine in, in, in Geneva, Switzerland. Right? Calvin, there's this huge statue of Calvin, taller than the building here. And uh, I'm standing in front of Calvin. And there's this group of people from the Netherlands, and they're all Calvinists. And I'm like, they're like, well, what are you doing here? I said, well, I'm a Christian, and Calvin's a Christian, so I thought I'd come and see Calvin. And they said, well, are you a Calvinist? And I said, no. And, and then, the, the, so there's a group of a whole family. Of, there's eight children. And there's two of the adult boys. And I, somehow, I just said to him, well, what about you? Are you a Christian or are you just a Calvinist? And the kid said, no, I'm not a Christian. And his parents are right there. He's a 20-some-year-old. He says, no, I'm not a Christian. And the other brother steps up. He says, I'm not a Christian either. I said, why not? He said, well, because I have it in my head, but it hasn't burned in my heart yet. I said, well, decide to put it in your heart right now. <laughs> but as a Calvinist, he can't decide. And I said, wait a minute, Jesus said, ask and you'll receive, seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be open. So ask, seek and find, and right now you can get saved. His father's standing there going, what in the world's he doing? He's going to convert my son, only the Holy Spirit can do that, that can't happen. But the Holy Spirit uses us to convert. You see, we preach the gospel. I gave him a lot to think about. Let your light so shine before men. You know, here's the thing, you need to remember this. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. It's not that we're trying to be the light. It's not that we're trying to be the salt. We are the light. We are the salt. Now be the light and be the salt. You know what I'm saying? Jesus could have come back already and taken, all, taken us all out of here, but he chose to leave us here so that we could share the gospel. And we have a ministry of reconciliation. 
Now, here's where reconciliation is really good. When you reconcile a sinner to salvation, the Bible says that all of heaven, all the angels in heaven rejoice and have a party when that happens. I grew up in a religious system, but I never heard the gospel clearly until I was 17 years old. We need to not assume that people know the gospel. You know, I could have assumed that because these fellows were visiting Calvin, they must be Christians and they know the gospel and they're saved, but they weren't. They kind of knew the gospel, but they didn't receive the gospel. See, we can never assume that people have heard and know the gospel, even if they're religious. I met another lady in, in Austria the, at the flat that I was staying at, the place I stayed. She, she was um, uh, kind of new age, but talking about Jesus and saying that she thought she was saved. And I sat down and talked with her and found out she really wasn't saved and didn't understand it. But all she needed to do is have it clearly explained. And when I clearly explained it, she received the Lord. And, and so then she receives the Lord. But, you know, in, in the exchange of the language, I thought, you know, I don't know if she really got it. So the next day I went back. And I said to her, so what did you think of our conversation yesterday and our prayer? And she looked at me and she goes, now I have Jesus. I was like, wow. And this, was, this is a place in, in Austria. Austrian people are very hard. And it's very difficult at times to reach them. But I feel and I sense, even in a few people I met there in Austria, that there's a change taking place and there's a softening happening. And you always got to be open to share. You know, I, I read a quote by the Pope where he said that we don't have a need for a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, that, we, that in fact that could be dangerous. We just need to have a church relationship. No, he said it. You can check it out. But the gospel... We need a personal relationship. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, let me just clearly say to you, you need him. The gospel is the good news that Jesus Christ came from heaven to earth, God the Son. He died on a cross. The third day, he rose again from the dead. And based on that, you can be saved if you put your trust in him, if you open your heart to him, if you turn to him and dedicate your life to him. He'll come in. He'll change your life. He'll make you brand new. Amen? The gospel. Don't assume that people have it. People will say, well, I pray. Oh, really? Okay, who do you pray to? <laughs> Tell me about your prayer. Just share with them. Be open. It's a great commission to go into the world and all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, also, number three here, this is all to be done for the glory of God. Look at verse 17. Therefore, I have reason to glory in Christ Jesus in the things which pertain to God. You know, Paul was a man who pointed to Jesus Christ for everything. He said, I am who I am by the grace of God. Everything that's happened in my life is for God's glory. An impactful Christian life will be one that brings glory to Jesus Christ, not to yourself. And it's an amazing thing that Paul says that that he glories in Jesus Christ because he's an apostle to the Gentiles. And that's interesting because I believe if you read Paul and you kind of read between the lines, he'd rather have been an apostle to the Jews. He really would rather that he was the guy that reached all his brethren. He talks about it in, in chapter 9 of Romans and, and in other places. He's just like, I really, I, I, I would give my own life, he basically says. I would actually die in my, I would give my salvation up for my brethren. That's how much he cared about the Jews. But he realizes it's for the glory of God that he gets to be an apostle to the Gentiles. 
Maybe you're not doing exactly what you want to do with your life. Maybe you always want to do something else. But whatever you're doing, do it all for the glory of God. Do it as unto the glory of God. You know, think about your life if you didn't know Jesus. You ever sit and try to take inventory of that? If I didn't know Jesus, for me, I probably wouldn't be married. If I didn't know Jesus, I would have had one child, but I wouldn't have had two children. I wouldn't have four children. I don't know. Would this church exist? He would have used somebody else. I wouldn't have any part of it. My son wouldn't even be alive. Because <laughs> I know my, what I was like. And when my wife became pregnant before we were married, I would have run away if I didn't know Jesus. And I wouldn't have seven grandkids. And I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. In fact, I honestly think I'd be dead if I didn't know Jesus. And I'd be in hell if I didn't know Jesus. So everything is to the glory of Jesus Christ, isn't it? I give him all the glory. Paul says he'll not even speak of the things which were not of Christ. Look at that in verse 18. I won't speak of any of those things which Christ hasn't accomplished in me. In other words, if the Lord didn't do it, I don't even want to talk about it. I don't even want to speak about it. Like, I'll speak about these things that happened on these trips because the Lord did it. The Lord touched that woman's heart to get saved. The Lord opened the door for those guys to hear the gospel. It isn't, it isn't because of me. It's because of God. He did it. I'm not going to talk about the things that he didn't do. If I start talking to you about stuff that God didn't do and stuff that I did, you know, you'd be hearing about my stupid golf game that I'm not going to be able to play anymore because I hurt my elbow. That's supposed to get you to feel sorry for me. <laughs> Paul wouldn't boast in anything that he knew was not of Christ. I think of that song by Selah that we used to sing at times. Maybe somebody sings it. I will not boast in anything, no gifts, no power, no wisdom, but I will boast in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. Why should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer, but this I know with all my heart, his wounds have paid my ransom. It's all about the Lord. It's all about Jesus and what he's done. Number four is verse 19. The power comes from God. And this might be kind of academic, of course. But look at the way Paul says it. He says, in many signs and wonders, by the power of the Holy Spirit, though that, so that from Jerusalem all around Elycrim, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. In other words, he says, hey, the Lord sent me all over the place, and he did it by his power, and he revealed himself through his power. Remember, Acts chapter 1, Jesus told the, the apostles that were there, he said, I will give you power, and you will be witnesses of me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit wants to empower every one of us to do the work of the ministry, whatever the work of the ministry that he's called you and I to do. His power. It's his power. It's not our strength. Praise the Lord that the power of the Holy Spirit works today. Amen? That he wants to... He has stuff he wants to accomplish, and he lets you be a part of it. He lets me be a part of it. That's really where it's at. Jesus, when Jesus was crucified, the disciples were scared to death. Even after he rose from the dead and appeared to them, they still were hiding. And in fact, Peter said, I'm going fishing. And they said, we're coming too. 
They didn't have power, but then Jesus gave them the power of the Spirit, and everything changed. And that same Peter, who said he was going fishing, stood up and gave the first message, and 3,000 people were saved. And we see how dynamic Peter was all through the New Testament, all through the book of Acts. Power to go into all the world. And he says there'll be signs and wonders. Now, you might say, well, wait a minute, I don't really see signs and wonders. Really? I saw a sign and wonder when that woman said, yes, she wanted to receive Jesus Christ. That was a sign and a wonder. And maybe we don't see the miracles the same way. At least I haven't seen that. I would love to see the Lord do a miracle on my elbow right now, but I don't know, Lord. It's okay, you can do it. But we don't maybe see that as often. I can tell you, I think it happens, and I get reports that it happens in the mission field more often because then God is opening the door for the preaching of the gospel. Here in America, we have the gospel. We have it all over the place. It's on the TV. It's on the radio. It's everywhere. Less and less these days, of course. But the power is for the ability to share the gospel. See, we're not to seek after signs and wonders it says the signs and wonders will follow those who believe. We're not to follow the signs and wonders. And the greatest sign and greatest healing is when someone comes to Christ. And remember, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, it's also the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love. And then it's described by joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and so on. Paul was tapping into the power of the Spirit and I believe he was doing that every single day. Do you do that every day? I'll confess, I don't. I get up sometimes and get my day going, and I'm reading the Word, and I'm listening, but I don't always say, Holy Spirit, fill me afresh today. I should. And, and you know, I, I sometimes get distracted, and then I'm going about my day, and I realize, wait a minute, I haven't even acknowledged the power of the Spirit in my life today. Can we get into that habit? Holy Spirit, empower me today. Holy Spirit, give me your direction today. Remember, he says he'll guide you into all truth, Jesus said. He'll lead you and guide you. And whatever ministry, whatever thing God calls you to, let's seek to be spirit-led and dependent on him. And then, number five, the goals of, the, of, of ministry, the goals of the impactful Christian is God's purposes. In other words, you want to see God's will be done. And that should be our prayer every day also. Notice he says in verse 20, I have made it my aim to preach the gospel not where Christ was named, lest I should pe- preach, teach on another man's foundation. He wants to reach the unreached. He knows that's on the heart of the Lord to be that evangelist and reach the unreached. He was concerned with not building on another man's foundation. I'm convinced that Paul preached the gospel every single day of his life. I believe that that guy, if you met him, you were hearing the gospel. I got a friend like that. You guys know, remember Brian McDaniel, right? Brian McDaniel, every single place I've ever been to him, I've seen him, I'm in the depth of a heavy conversation with him, he'll stop and go, wait a second, and he's got to walk over to a person and say, do you know Jesus Christ? He's a bold guy. He's more bold than me. He walked up to a lady in a parking lot one time. I was with him. He walks up to her and he says, I'm going to pray for you that you come to Jesus Christ and repent of your sins right now. She starts crying. She starts bawling. 
She says, my husband has cancer. I need Jesus Christ. And he starts praying for her right there. You don't know who is around you. You don't know what's going on in the lives of people around you. And if you would be so bold to just tell them, I want to pray for you. What an open door. I've done this all over the world now where I, I get a waitress, they come up, and when they come and they're waiting on us, I say, I ask them their name, and I get to know them a little bit, and then I say, listen, in a moment, we're going to pray for our meal, and I'd like to pray for you about something. Can I pray for you? And it has opened doors. I mean, sometimes they'll just stand there and start crying and tell me all about their life. Now, I've had a few of them that will say, no, thank you. And I say, well, there's nothing I can pray. Like, you don't, need, you don't need prayer? You don't need God in your life? And then usually they'll say, oh, well, pray for my grandma or something, you know. And I'll do that. But I pray they get saved even though they, won't, they don't want me to. <laughs> but we're called to reach the unreached. This is part of our calling. And then also notice verse 21. Paul says, as it is written, to whom he has not announced, they shall see. And those who have not heard shall understand. What this is speaking about is the teaching of the word. Paul says, hey, I'm not only going to preach the gospel, but I also want to get people who don't quite understand things to help them understand. You know, I think Paul was a busy guy in ministry, and he always was looking to share truth. And he probably, in many ways, he may have very well been the best Bible teacher apart from Jesus Christ that ever lived. You read his epistles, you read Romans and Ephesians and Philippians and Galatians, and you're just, you can get so caught up in the depth of the, of the theology and yet the simplicity of the truth, the doctrines of salvation and justification and sanctification and propitiation and all those Asians. <clears throat> Number six and last. If you want to be impactful for the gospel of Jesus Christ, be a person that backs the word, backs the work of God. Paul says in verse 25 through 27, he talks about how he's going to get a gift from them. He's picking up gifts and taking them to Jerusalem. You know, we don't talk about finances. It's kind of the Calvary Chapel thing. Oh, we don't mention finances except when we come to it. But, and this is maybe a little bit of a stretch, but I'm coming to it. If you're not giving to the work of God, how can you expect to be impactful as a Christian? If you're not... If you're not giving out a sacrificial life. Paul said, or excuse me, David said, I'll not give to the Lord that which cost me nothing. He, he says, it's got to cost me something. There's got to be a, a little bit of pain involved in giving to God. And there was a famine in Jerusalem, and he's collecting for those people. And he's saying, hey, you guys benefited so much from the spiritual impact that Jerusalem had over the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm asking you to help them to physically minister to them. And there are financial needs in the ministry. And God will stir his body to give to those needs and see God's kingdom advanced. By the way, in this church, I know the finances because I'm still on the board. And I'm really proud of you guys. God has really blessed this place. So that doesn't mean stop. It just means praise the Lord. <laughs> I told Mike a while back, I said, you know, you're better, this church is better off financially than it ever was as me as a pastor. I guess you just had to get me out of that role, and now, wow. I think COVID blessed us that way. And he also asked them in, final, in this final part where he's talking about the, 
the blessing and being backed by God's people, he, he asks them for prayer. He says, now I beg you, brethren, verse 30, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit that you strive together with me in prayers to God for me. Paul was desperate for the prayers of the Roman Christians. He was not afraid or too proud to ask for prayer. And listen, I agree with him. I am not afraid or too proud to ask you for prayer for me either. And we should be praying for one another in each other's ministries. But for me, because I'm in the front and I get to tell you what the ministry is, here's what you can pray for. You can pray that I stay healthy. Because every time I travel, I do something stupid like this. <laughs> Some of you know that. I've come back with many injuries. <laughs> so pray that I'm not as clumsy as I had been. Pray for the ministry appointment, how we can impact churches. This is an incredible ministry where we're involved with pastors who are in transitions and churches who are in great need and pastors who need sabbaticals. And, and through the COVID, there's been so much damage and so much hurt. And you know, I heard that 1,500 pastors left the ministry through COVID. And tons of churches have closed. So there is a great need to keep these things moving in the right direction. And by God's grace, we want to be involved in that. I'm going to be putting together, actually, for, our, um, for the ministry, kind of a, a new web page and things in the coming weeks and to kind of let you guys know, and you can support us directly in that also. But Cornerstone's still tremendously supporting us and supporting Poyman, and I'm, I'm totally blessed by that. But he also prays, look what he says in verse 31, that I may be delivered from those in Judea and do, who do not believe. He, he said, hey, pray for me because there, I have enemies. And there are people who want to thwart the gospel. And he asks for prayer for those that, would, that, he, that he would also be able to give a blessing to receive. He says that the service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints and it may come to you with joy. And he says, look, finally, I just want to come visit you guys and be filled with joy and give you great report. So, Does your life have a great impact on this world for Jesus Christ? In your sphere of influence, in your world, are you having an impact? Are you effective in the ministry that God's called you to do? And first of all, walking in grace. And walking in the forgiveness that God has given you and receiving that forgiveness and extending that forgiveness to others. Is that part of who you are? Can you be defined by someone who's, you know, they're gracious. That, that, I, I, I get grace from them. Are you serving to the glory of God? Are you, are you ministering the gospel of God? And again, it doesn't mean you have to be an evangelist. Minister the gospel of God in your calling, in your ability, in your personality, let it come out of you the way God wants it to. But be open and say, Lord, use me in my role. Use me in the way you want to use me. Are you doing these things by the will of God? Through the power of God? Have you asked for the fresh filling of the Holy Spirit? And are you, are you serving God with your, with your wallet too? 
I have a saying I came up with from this text, and it goes like this. Paul was a minister by the grace of God, of the gospel of God, for the glory of God, with a goal to do the will of God, by the power of God, backed by the people of God. I like that. I pray I'm the same. It's a great guideline for living, a great way to live the impactful Christian life. May God clarify your calling in your life and may he fill you with his grace and his power and may you seek to glorify him in all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Let's pray together. Father, we're so thankful for your word today and for your love for us. And Lord, just incredible words from this great apostle. We wait on you today, Lord. We ask you to just really do a fresh work in us. And there might be some of you here where you're, maybe you don't know the Lord. You came here, you got brought by somebody. Maybe you don't even have a relationship with the Lord. Let me just say, first of all, if you don't have that, here's how you get it. Very simply, confess that you're a sinner. Believe that Jesus is the solution to your sin. That he came from heaven to earth and he died on the cross for you. And he rose again on the third day. And open your heart today. Ask him in. Invite him into your life. This isn't about religion. This is about a personal relationship with God provided for you through the death of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Very simple. If you say yes to him, he'll come into your life. And he'll change your life from the inside out. His Holy Spirit takes residency in you. It's not about what you do. It's about what he has done.